Greetings, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to episode 153 of The Glow. My name is Brian Piergrossi coming at you today from Italy. We got the Italy retreat tomorrow, seven day retreat. Really looking forward to it, really excited. We're in such a beautiful location. If I have a chance at the end, well, I will have a chance at the end. I'll show you some of the uh, some of the view here, right about that way. But uh, the lighting is such that uh, this is the proper location if you're tuning in on Facebook or YouTube or uh, wherever you're tuning in video-wise. We also have people tuning in on audio, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Welcome, Martin. When you're entering, you can please share where you're from. You can hit the heart button, the wow button, things that you like, things that you're wowed by. You can ask questions anytime, comments anytime. It's a community co-creation here. It's a community co-creation. Kevin Aroslan will be joining us shortly. Really looking forward to sharing space with him. I want to tell you about the silent retreat that we have coming up, August 31st to September 3rd. Silent Retreat, really excited about it. People are registering, there's still some space left. There's a link at the bottom to tune in and connect and join us in Gainesville, Florida for four days of uh, Silent Retreat. Connecting deep inside yourself to the stillness, to the silence within, just allows everything to open up in this whole other way. It's like connecting to the source, you know, of who we really are and what we really are. And um, that's a whole level of attunement that happens. So I'm really excited about creating a group space to delve into that together. August 31st to September 3rd, which is Memorial Day, right? I always get Labor Day, Memorial Day confused. Welcome, Danielle. Danielle joining us from Canada. Blessings to you and Annie Marie on your journey. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Let's, uh, let's bring Kevin in. We're looking forward to connect with them and delve into the masculinity is dead. Masculinity is dead. Your, your viral Aloha. sensation. Aloha. Aloha. How you doing? So good, Brian. Th so happy to be here, man. Thanks for inviting me. You're welcome. It's uh, morning, right? It's like well after 8.30 in Southern California. That's right. Yeah. Similar climate maybe to where you are. It's nice and Mediterranean here, but foggy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been beautiful weather, beautiful weather. So I first um, became aware of you through your, through your video, Masculinity is Dead. People were sharing it with me, you know, I tuned into it. And I, it's just, it's really interesting the way it took off, you know, the, as, as a video. Do you know how many views it's had at this point? I mean, I haven't looked. Last time I checked, it was around 870,000. So mm -hmm. it's funny because uh, I was always thinking about going viral on YouTube and apparently on Facebook, it's all about shares. So mm. it just, it got, it got shared so much is that's really what kind of pumped it up. And then later, naturally, a large amount of uh, haters or trolls, yeah. whatever you, whatever yeah. internet name you want for them, really, right. you know, threw a few on the fire. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good. Got, got even more views. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think it was that, like, sparked, you know, obviously something that, like, really sparked people or really, like, you know, caught something that really was alive for people? So what do you think that was that, that really captured people in that way and continues to? Right. 
Yeah, I think it was a number of things. One was the title. Like, I, I do think the title was, like, very, like, like it was good clickbait mm. or, you know, like, yeah. PR. And I knew when I was typing it what I was doing. I was like, this is going to be, mm -hmm. this is going to, this is going to have an edge to it. Um, mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. Um, and then just the, the message. I think a lot of people kind of misinterpreted or just heard what they wanted to hear through their filter or lens. And that really arose yep. a lot of emotion that inspired a mm -hmm. lot of people to either say yes, more of this, or no, you're dead wrong. You know, it's not dead. Like, and then kind of became like ad hominem. Like it was either something wrong with me or I just didn't understand the situation at all. So it became mm -hmm. very interesting. Mm -hmm. And what does the title, what does it mean to you? Like, what, what, why did you put that title? Obviously, it's something that gets people's attention, but what would you say is the right. message? What is your message of the video? Well, honestly, the, the inspiration for the title, I was just in, like, a, a very intense flow state that day. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was from Nietzsche, Nietzsche's proclamation um, in Twilight of the Idols that God is dead. And he wasn't saying, you know, the, the Christian God has been slain. He was saying the postmodern, you know, sentiment has killed this, you know, idea. And so I, that was kind of where I was coming from. It was very, like, kind of maybe philosophical. And I just, I kept it the three words. But what I really meant was the old paradigm of insecure, insensitive, and maybe even psychopathic um, masculinity is dead and dying and that's just right. like a, a cycle that we're entering and I kind of I, I tried to put that caveat early in the video but a lot of people still thought I was attacking their masculinity and mm -hmm. kind of proved my point by reacting in such a <laughs> reactive way yeah well I mean there's 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 unconscious masculinity and conscious masculinity right so it feels to me like you're you're kind of pointing out like there's an awakening, there's an awakening in consciousness that can come through the masculine, and we can we can feel, we can uh, participate in, we can re whatever depending on what our role is, receive or direct or in some way co-create a more conscious masculinity that's brought into the into this planet. Right, I think that's what we're both a part of, and anyone that's dedicated mm -hmm. to doing the work like silent retreat, silent meditation, connecting the source, finding out what's actually happening inside of here. Mm -hmm. And how do you see, actually, I'd like you to get a little bit of your background. So I know you, you, you came from Texas, you grew up in Texas, right? Right. What, uh, yeah, I, was born in, um, I was born in Midland, so like out in West Texas, but I grew up in uh, the Houston area, so Gulf Coast. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, tell me about your journey with masculinity. Like, what, what has that journey been for you? What have you discovered? What have you learned? What are you learning? Right. Um, well, I mean, I was raised in a very, like, you know, the culture, very, like, kind of hyper-masculine. On one side, you have, like, yeah. kind of cowboys and the, the very old-school Western kind of men that I was around. And then I was also in sports. So I played football. I played soccer. And that, that like, concept of masculinity never quite sat well with me. Although I wanted to be part of the squad and with the guys, and I was, um, I was also very shy as a boy. So I, I loved to read. And I was a very avid reader. I was an artist. I liked to draw. 
Um, I create these worlds in my imagination. I also got a lot into video gaming as well. And it was kind of an escape for me into something I could understand. And then when I got into literature later, I was like, oh, wow, there's this whole world. And so I, I was always having this tension between, you know, how I saw men and brotherhood, which felt good. I wanted to be a part of it. And then also, you know, wanting to have other outlets of expression and then finding mm. people get so offended when I wanted to grow my hair out or I wanted to discuss mm. things like art and literature. Like it was just, I, I didn't really get why it was so, you know, like the best solutions I heard were you're a pussy or you're, you're a homosexual. It's just like, well, that, you know, it was, I was trying to use my intelligence to understand this and instead of like the kind of reactivity. But uh, long story short, I basically go to college in Austin, Texas, a much more liberal city, very beautiful like culture, music culture there, like really roots, art scene. And that kind of opened me and awakened me into what's possible. I felt a lot more accepted there. And that's kind of like what catalyzed me getting into meditation, into yoga, into Eastern philosophy, into plant medicine. And eventually that's what sparked me traveling to California and continuing from there to backpack through Asia and really go towards the counterculture and go towards, you know, this like renaissance and consciousness that's been happening since the 60s. Mm-hmm. And how do you how do you see the renaissance? Like, what do you see is being brought into being? Because you're not only like from afar kind of observing, but you're also actually in it. Right. So what, what do you see that the renaissance is bringing into being? Uh, so many different things. I mean, sex, drugs and rock and roll, free love. This is what the, the conservative 1950s culture was afraid of. But uh, I really see it in like Jungian terms. I'm a huge fan of Carl Jung and his body of work. And it's, it's really a, a rupture of plane of the unconscious and the repressed in culture finding creative outlets. And I believe a holistic culture, uh, an awakened culture, if you will, one committed to consciousness and human values would have a healthy expression for all spectrum of human experience, not just, you know, the nine to five corporate heteronormative, you know, uh, culture that we see, you know, kind of dominating the West, Western Europe, United States and Australia. And so I, I see all these mediums, although some of them are a bit radical, like I would never advocate someone to, you know, take a ton of psychoactive plants and go run around the streets or proclaim these things. But it's really about a kind of a radical freedom. Like if our body is a yeah. temple and our consciousness is sacred and connected to all life on the planet, which seems apparent to me at this point, then a certain amount of freedom I think is required to both experiment with that and share the raw contents of our consciousness through mediums such as art, music, dialogue, you know, regenerative agriculture, alternative living styles, alternative relationship styles. This, this to me seems like a very sane and actually evolved thing to not only allow, but encourage in culture. Mm -hmm. The word that comes up for me when I hear you talking, which, which is a word that's been like really um, important for me is authenticity. And so I feel like what's happening and what will continue to happen is 
there's an opening to put in really simple terms for people to be themselves, you know, a space to be themselves. And we have, we still kind of get in this mental thing of this kind of cookie cutter thing of like, you know, you need to be in this box and you need to be in this box. And there's only two right. options, this option, that option, you know, usually there's only two options because we have this way of black or white way of thinking about things, you know, but there's this kind of opening of like, um, yeah, I'm, this is who I am and I'm going to express myself in this way. And it doesn't conf need to conform to a particular box. In fact, it doesn't conform to a particular box. Right. So, and then we get to a space where we can love, love ourselves as we are, whatever that is, like the authenticity of whatever that is, love ourselves as we are. And what I find is when we can love ourselves as we truly are, which can be, you know, quite a journey, um, then we are able to love other people as they are. Right. And right. that's where we all want to be. It's like I can love myself and appreciate myself and be at peace with myself as I am. And that allows me to love you as you are and appreciate you as you are, because you're only really just a reflection of an aspect of myself. Right. right. So that's another thing I've noticed is like if if I look at my life and there's a kind of some kind of person that really triggers triggers me or triggered me, it's because that's an aspect of myself that I haven't integrated. Right. So it's yes. such a, it's such a like important thing to recognize and realize, you know, the way we project outward on the other people. What are your thoughts on right. any, any of that? Well, I, I think that's beautifully said and it, it's, it gets a bit like, I know for some people it becomes a bit woo, right? Like, Oh, you're an aspect of me and like, we're all connected and you are me. And like, yeah, on, on the front of it, ling linguistically, it's hard to understand, but um, I truly believe if you follow the triggers, so the things that are triggering and the things that make you feel uncomfortable and like really get you boiling, seemingly, you know, without a lot of causation, like why did you get so upset? It's touching on something. There's something in the psyche, like you said, that is disintegrated or disharmonious, which is why there's a lot of attention being paid to it. It's like, ooh, this is a marker. And so really moving into that, this is part of authenticity. It's requires a lot of courage and bravery and a lot of skill, I think, which is what I've dedicated mm. my past like four years into is like, how do I authentically move into this uncomfortability? And on the other yeah. side, I'm almost always discovering something new about myself. So this yeah. person that's like, wow, this person really grinds my gears. Why is that? Well, it's because of this, you know, childhood, you know, pathology or this this part of myself that I've suppressed part of cultural repression um, perhaps just ignorance maybe I've never experienced it so I, I immediately categorize it as other and foreign and therefore I have this reaction and so like really it's it's all about responsibility for me taking responsibility for my consciousness so it's like wow I should probably feel into these things absolutely you hit on something I think that's really, um, really interesting to look at, really powerful to look at around courage and, and vulnerability and masculinity. So there's this idea of like, if you're, if you're a man, courage is like killing someone on a battlefield or knocking, you know, punching somebody out or, you know, and I think, I think that there, there can be a place where there's a place to defend yourself or defend other people. And so there's, that has its place, but there's this other thing that I think is much more interesting and much more, much more rich, which is courage to be vulnerable. 
you know, and, and I, and I totally resonate hundred percent with what you're saying, where it's like this space of, is something, if there's something uncomfortable, if, and, and a lot of times it's emotional, it's, it's relational, it's, it's this kind of stuff, you know, it's not some kind of big physical feat. It's this kind of inner world of like, you know, telling a woman that you love her or asking someone to marry you or, you know, this kind of stuff is like, we, we're afraid to like put our heart on the line and like put it out there. And to me, what I find is that's the real courage. Like that's where incredible courage comes or just to be able to tell someone what you're feeling in the moment. You know, it's, it's scary and it's uncomfortable, but this is where I think as men, we can really find the real explanation to be courageous. And this is where I find like a lot of these guys, <laughs> a lot of these guys that you're talking about growing up with, you know, the kind of the machismo guys, this is where they're actually, you know, I would have put it in a kind of provocative way. They're actually the cowards, right? They're afraid right. to be in this vulnerable space, to be in this emotional space. They're, and you can feel it. Like, they're really tight. You know, they're really tight. Yes. And they don't have courage, you know? So one of the things about the masculine is that there's a sense of the masculine response to challenge, you know? So right. I mean, to me, it's like I challenge men right now to, like, be more courageous in vulnerability, emotional vulnerability, putting yourself out there, putting your heart out there, um, expressing your, expressing your feelings, expressing, because it's, it's, it is really scary. You know, it's a scary totally. place, but it's the most courageous place. So that's kind of been my shift of, of kind of, yeah, I want to be courageous. I want to be brave. And I find that the place that we're talking about around, around vulnerability is where the real courageousness and bravery is at. Totally. And this, this, I think, is misconstrued often. I think someone in the comments has already brought up maybe one of the main issues with this, and that is this alpha male mentality of being a hyper-masculine. And, and, and this, it's important, too, to distinguish between something you said, machismo, very important word, mm -hmm. as opposed to masculinity. Uh, masculinity I'm seeing as like it's a principle in nature and it exists in men and women it's a very yeah, ordered totally. directed like you said it responds to challenge it's mission directed and so machismo is something different machismo is more of an attitude and an outward showing maybe a performance almost and this mm -hmm. armoring this like very tight like oh I, I don't feel you know I'm not going to be vulnerable emotion yeah what the fuck is that and this is, this is what's tricky is like, you know, the courage can be easy sometimes on the outside to make this show often with some form of violence. And there's the inner world as well. So there's thoughts, feelings, emotions, these more subtle things happening. And as you're saying, yeah. it takes a lot of courage to be emotionally vulnerable and report to your spouse, to your children, to your parents, uh -huh. your coworkers, what's actually happening. If you actually feel yeah. weak, or if you feel vulnerable or confused, to admit that openly with power, mm -hmm. still having masculine power, is one of the most courageous things of all. And I, yeah. I fear that you know, men haven't had an outlet or a training ground, so to speak, to be in this way. And that's why I think the men's work, men's circles, men's groups, men's retreats, so important, so important. I mean, they're not, they're not teaching this in the military. And they're not teaching this on battlefields and, and like, you know, the places where the traditional machismo is, is very dominant. 
And uh, I'm very, I'm a huge fan of the work of Robert Moore as well. He wrote King, uh, King Warrior, Magician Lover, The Archetype of Initiation. He's been studying masculinity in ancient cultures and all of the rites of passage that involves. And he makes the argument, which I agree with, if you look around, I think there's a lot of evidence in Western culture that when men hold on too tight and they form this armor that we're talking about and don't have any of this emotional vulnerability, a few things happen. They either end up on golf courses, completely checked out and aloof, not providing leadership, real leadership to young males. They either end mm -hmm. up addicted, usually to alcohol, but also to other substances, or they commit suicide after a long bout of depression, or all three. And this is what you see with men. Women, on average, you know, the feminine principle, can tend to move the energy because they're, they, they'll always have a support network. Just by nature of biology and most cultures, women are going to have some kind of support network. This is why single moms are able to thrive. However, for men, the, the reality is a little different. And so the machismo and this, like, in excessing of this courage of vulnerability we're speaking of is having very dire consequences for the culture. And I think it's bleeding into the youth, like uh, young males. This is something that's come into my field recently is uh, women and men um, bringing up that they want their sons to be trained in these ways and like initiated in these ways. And I think that's it's so important. Beautiful. Yeah, I think I can't emphasize enough the sense of this machismo. When you really look at it, it's just fear. It's it's the total opposite of what it looks like. It's like those guys are the right. most afraid. Anybody, you know? So, like, because I know, because I, I, I was in that kind of state when I was younger, you know, because I grew up around the same, you know, similar guys you grew up around. And it's like, it's almost like you're wearing, like, a straitjacket, you know? It's like you're, you're so afraid of everything, you know? And so you, you, you can attack, you can, you, can, you can be in the state of like um, resistance, but it's all because it's a scary world. You know, you're afraid of the world around you. Everything around you is scary. And as you start to awaken spiritually, you know, this realization comes into being that the world doesn't need to feel scary. You, know, you don't need to feel afraid of what's inside you and what's happening inside you. And we talked about emotion and we talked about you know, the feelings inside and getting in touch and connected. But also, I think what's really important is getting in touch with your desires. And that's something that can be really challenging for all of us um, for a lot of different reasons, you know, but be able to connect to your desires and to be able to speak to your desires. Um, that takes courage. You know, that takes courage that to, to tune into what you want and to ask for it. Because when you ask for it, you don't know what the answer is going to be, right? So right. you put yourself in vulnerable position again but the ones who have the courage to ask for what they want and it could be asking for what i want you know i'm asking you kevin for what i want or it could just be kind of you know life the universe asking what you want those are the ones that are really creating um lives that are aligned that are tuned that are really living optimal lives so um i think right. that's just, just really important to like focus on and the other thing that you said that i think is really important that we haven't really clarified is the difference between man and masculine and woman and feminine. So the way I, the way I define it is masculine, I mean, sorry, male is biology, female is biology. And then within that, you, ha you do have some men that are, uh, most men are naturally more masculine. Some men are naturally more feminine. Then you have a small portion that's kind of in the middle, right? 
And then with women, most women are naturally more feminine. Some are more masculine. Some is in the middle. So right. um, it's just, I think it's important to clarify the terms because people mix that stuff up all the time, you know, that um, just to recognize that there are, there are women that are naturally more masculine. There are men that are naturally more feminine and there are men that are naturally more masculine and women that are naturally more feminine. So these principles, masculine and feminine, apply to whoever we are, whether we're a man or whether we're a woman, right? Totally. And I think that's a, that's a really important discernment um, for most people. And yeah, it's just the, maybe the focus on biology. And this is like a hot topic for like, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the, the LGBT community and the trans yeah. community and all that, because, you know, that, it, rightly so, they're upset because the heteronormative values have been very rigidly enforced. And yet all of us have both energies inside of us. And so yeah. just, just being aware of that unlocks actually more creativity and freedom. You can yeah. still like, you know, operate in your dominant energy, like as a man staying in, mas- in the masculine energy, like it feels good and actually it serves me in most of my life. And yet there are times when being receptive and soft and feminine actually has served me as well. So I think that this like, this is a way we can get tripped up in this dialogue very easily. So I always love to, I think that was a brilliant explanation. Yeah, thanks. Let's, let's get into the four archetypes you mentioned. Magician, king, warrior, and lover. Yeah, can you define those? Yeah, so this is, these are, these are taken a lot from, uh, you know, archetypal symbolic work, um, again, is coming from a lot of ancient cultures who really like to code life process into symbols. And this is, this is a really powerful way to do this. And so this is following in the same line, kind of the psychoanalytic theory um, unearthed by Freud and Jung, and then Robert Moore, who was a, he's a seminary and also a PhD psychology, like just savant and, um, yeah, essentially, they're like the four types of the masculine being. So the quadrated psyche, you know, you have thinking, feeling, intuition, and emotion. There's like this quadrated yeah. psyche you often find in psychology. And so you can map this onto these archetypes. So king, one we're all familiar with, right? King is like a state of being. It's the, the rulership. And so a king is very much like a steward of a domain. And you know, is represented by a ruler, you know, the, uh, the benevolent king and also the tyrant. Mm-hmm. There's like a shadow and a light aspect to each, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. most, um, most men, you know, it's said don't reach their full king expression until their 50s because, you know, they've had this whole life and, you know, it's kind of the late maturity. We have warrior. So warrior is very, you know, prevalent in our society, in Western society, because warrior is all about doing. So warriors all yeah. about boundaries, defending yeah. and also attacking, going out and completing missions, doing things. Yeah. And so warrior energy, you know, we see in youth a lot and we see in young males, yeah. young professionals, very, very obvious that one. Um, yeah. Magician is, is kind of the more emotional activated mm-hmm. type. It also can be seen as like the shaman. It's very intuitive mm-hmm. and subtle. And so the magician archetype mm-hmm. is all about the inner knowledge and how to express that. And then lover, of course, is the dissolver of boundaries. So 
So the lover is all about connecting, you know, to a woman or to the feminine. And also, yeah. like, the lovers makes a good, uh, you know, heart-centered caretaker for children as well. So a lot of men find their lover gets really activated when they become a father. And so these are kind of, this is like a, this is an archetypal wheel that you can map your life onto as a man. And it's, it's, it's given me like profound insights of what's happened, where I am and what's coming up. Gene Pell Palito said something I liked earlier, but I hadn't quite heard before, which she said the, she was making a metaphor of the, the feminine as the in-breath and the masculine as the out-breath. I like that. Receptive mm, directive. I do. I That's like great. That Thanks for that, Gene. Gene Joan. Joan, sorry. I can't see too well with this lighting here. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, the four archetypes. That's really helpful for me. I've been, um, I've been traveling around. So I feel like the king would be maybe kind of like a space holder, like sort of holding the space. Yes. Is that, does that resonate that one? Totally. So I was feeling that there's kind of a masculine, masculine dominant energy where I was in the, the upper Midwest, like Minnesota and North Dakota and that area. And it was kind of like that. It was kind of like a sort of like just kind of just kind of the space that was being held. Um, so that felt more like the like the king version. And it was it was also kind of a more mature, kind of more like kind of settled, grounded kind of energy. Like you felt like the masculine energy was grounding you sort of energy. And then New York, New York City, I would say is more like warrior in the sense of like really like, you know, pushing tr competitive, trying to trying to get ahead right. this this sort of energy, you know, and then um, put where you are like Encinitas or where I'm where I've been based out of Asheville is more kind of the magician, this kind of creative. Right. Energy. And then I'd say where I am now, Italy is more like the lover, like kind of like mm. um, passion and, you know, just romance and this, this sort of energy, right. you know? So I think it's cool to like, see these different aspects and see how they all have their value. They all have their place. Like if, if you're too much in one, you're out of balance, you know, but it's almost, almost, I see it like a, like a, like a box of tools, you know, like any one of these can be valuable at a different situation exactly. or different circumstance, having the balance in yourself. That's really like, the, that's a key. Um, your life as a man will go through the cycles, but also, you know, at any time, the ableness to embody any one of them. It is very much like a tool belt. And that, that's another way to gain like the freedom, which freedom I think is like a, a, a core masculine value. Like we really seek yeah, that freedom. Absolutely. And that's why absolutely. our work, our purpose, our relationships, all about freedom. And using these archetypes and thinking in this way is like given me a profound freedom. Yeah, I like it a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, definitely, it's definitely helpful to understand and uh, get a sense of what you're experiencing or what's happening inside yourself. Are there any corresponding feminine archetypes that you're aware of? Well, yeah, so the, the feminine archetypes um, and this kind of system, and there's multiple ideas about this, right. and I think they're all valuable, um, mm -hmm. but it's just the flip. So it just would be, you know, king, or not king, queen, warrior, right. like, you know, priestess or, you know, shamaness and lover so it's just it it's similar just flipped on their their axis and i should say as nice. well that you know also in this like you know psychoanalytic 
you know, modality, uh, the inner world of a man is feminine. And the inner world of a woman mm -hmm. can be seen as masculine. This is like if anyone's heard the term anima animus, this is the same kind of idea in that, you know, on our outward expression as a man, we have these four archetypes. But then in our, in our inner world, in this intuitive realm of more subtle feelings, it's uh, actually more feminine. And so that's, that's a really interesting nuance, especially in a relationship, because not only are you dancing with the conscious mind of your partner, but they're unconscious and there's polarities at foot. Mm -hmm. And so I invite anyone in a relationship to explore that because it's, there's a lot there. That's a whole, that's a whole big subject, which I guess we're about to get into right now. How do you, how do you see this working in relation, in relationship, relation between, let's just keep it to masculine and feminine, relationship between masculine and feminine. How do you see that working in a harmonious way and before just a moment to if anyone has any questions or comments i haven't been following too closely the comments like i often do but if you have any questions or comments throw them out in this moment and we'll we'll get to them but yeah masculine feminine relating how does it how do they how do they go in a harmonized way how do you see that working and flowing yeah the it's kind of a cliche but i can't emphasize enough that the communication quality is going to determine most of the relationship and you mentioned earlier asking for what you want and willing to be vulnerable yeah. with the world yeah. and with other men and with society. Um, I found that, you know, being in intense relationships myself and also helping and working with a lot of people in relationships, that is like the number one thing. Your ability to communicate and ask for what you want in a relationship without attachment or expectations of how you want the other person to be is going to provide a lot of synergy for the two of you and actually create that, that romance and that dynamic feeling. And mm -hmm. I guess for the masculine and feminine, specifically from a masculine perspective, um, being you know, the, still the alpha male or the leader in the relationship and the, that strong space-holding energy, like you're saying, eventually embodying a king, but also knowing when to be vulnerable and to be emotionally vulnerable with your partner, which is actually a, a great way to build intimacy. And, you know, realizing that it doesn't make you weak, it doesn't make you less of a man, it actually can help your partner trust you more because you're not, you're not putting up a front where the feminine intuition can sense that you're bullshitting. Or like, you know, you're, you're not really being clear with what's happening. And so that's something I think a lot of men, I would hope they would hear this is, you know, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, even though it's, it's a very scary experience if you're not used to being vulnerable. And so the relationship, I think, is one of the best places to practice. And I find, I find that generally speaking, like when you do do that, it's really appreciated by the feminine. It's like deeply appreciated. Even if the answer is like no or yes or maybe or I'm not sure, but there's a great appreciation for, for a man or someone in the masculine that can really like put themselves out there, really be clear in what they desire and ask for it. Um, there's, there's a real appreciation for that. And so I think that, I think that, well, yeah, my experience is women want that. That's what, I guess what I'm trying to say. The feminine wants that. And, um appreciates it you know appreciates mm. that that's that kind of stepping out into the unknown and and reaching out and and potentially 
there's a there's a potential there to to be guiding or directing into kind of um, uncharted waters, you know, right. that doesn't doesn't otherwise is the potential is not there. So I think that the feminine is is excited by that, is captivated by that, and um, there, there's a phrase that I've been thinking about sometimes. It's, it's an interesting phrase, a phrase we've all heard before. Um, one of the phrases is falling in love, but there's another phrase that women will use, which is, he swept me off my feet. Mm, like, That's an right. interesting phrase, you know? He swept me off my feet. So it's kind of the sense of like the feminine just like wants to let go and trust and kind of trust that guidance and direction but it's a symbiotic it's a symbiotic relationship it's like the the masculine is saying this is where i think we should go but 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 like to your point about the communication where i'm thinking we should go is based on your information your feeling your intuition i'm listening to you and i'm kind of i'm kind of gathering all the information what you're sharing and i'm and i'm uh, which is kind of the masculine gift of kind of like organizing and bring it into this this thing, you know, and the feminine right. like, oh, you hear me, you're listening to me, you're offering me something and that really like makes me feel connected to you, um, which creates a powerful synergy. So anyway, I said a lot there. I'm sure there's some things that you want to bounce off. of. <laughs> no, totally. That. I think that that's beautifully said. And language often has this way of revealing its deeper meaning. And uh, the whole idea of falling in love is, is excellent um, for this because it, it does seem to be a, a sort of falling. Like we feel the, yeah. the zero gravity of like, whoa, you know, and I think the feminine may feel this more strongly, which is why you hear that swept off their feet. And I really, I'm interested in this idea of rising in love and this expression, which maybe could be a more... Um, a less chaotic, like we don't want to have a descent because usually a descent is indicative of the unconscious and maybe mm -hmm. unconscious behaviors and patterns and, you know, old systems of belief. Um, whereas a rising is more of that uh, conscious engagement, like you're saying, like the one partner is like, this is where I want to go. This is where we're going. Other partners like Ooh, yeah. that doesn't that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel mm -hmm. good. Oh, interesting. So then we can come back together and, and figure out why that is or what's happening there. And so, yeah, there's, there's so many, like, nuances here. And I think, you know, this is a whole other video. But the number one thing <laughs> is, as, as a lot of people are, I think, saying is, ideally a relationship is a sacred mirror or a sacred yeah. union where... Mm -hmm you can get real-time feedback on a deep level, on an embodied level, an emotional level, a spiritual level, however you want to think about it, yeah. and get that feedback in real time with this like partner in life. And so there's, there's just a, a profound energy that can form there once you have let down your armor. And usually that is yeah. the role of the masculine is to have direction and power, but also let down the armor when appropriate so you can have that really strong synergy without a lot of the games. You know, I think a lot of people in the mainstream culture, you see this, like all the games we play, like, Oh, I'm going to play hard to get. I'm going to withhold this. I'm going to, I'm going to test, you know, these games aren't very useful if we actually want to have 
a real-time feedback system because you're creating illusions and corner blind spots and you know things like this yeah so yeah i find it really there's there's the sacred union and i find it valuable even beyond that just in um just having a clear sense of masculine and feminine and i'll notice the what's moving in different spaces i'm in and kind of what's being asked for or what's being required um so if there's and again, it doesn't necessarily have to be a man or a woman. Sometimes a man is in a feminine. So, so sometimes I'll be interacting with a man and he's in a feminine essence. And like, okay, he wants me to respond in a masculine essence to balance out this, this energy, you know, or it could be a woman in a masculine essence. She wants, she's, she's wanting to kind of be, you know, have me be in a more feminine essence. So it's like, or that there's a group that's in a feminine essence. Okay. This group needs more masculine energy, right? Or this group needs more feminine energy. Right. So you start to notice these dynamics and spaces and it really it's really helpful because because there's always like the universe is always seeking balance. Right. So there's like the yin and the yang. And so there's always this balance of masculine and feminine happening. And it, it just helps you to to be able to tune in and know how you can be most helpful in this particular dynamic, this particular situation or what's being required or what's being asked for. You know, that could be the greatest medicine to the space that you're in. Right. That's a great point that like it, it's this is far transcending male and female bodies. Like, yeah. Like you said, it's an energy of a space. It's an energy of almost any relationship or situation yeah. you can imagine. You know, yeah. even cu countries and diplomacy like you know, there's this this uh, dance happening. And so if you have awareness of that, it saves a lot of heartache and a lot of pain. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So what do you, what do you have going on? Like, what do you, what kind of projects or inspirations or things that you're feeling like passionate about that you're engaged in right now? Totally. So, um, personally with my own, my own brand, I do breakthrough coaching. So <laughs> I do a lot of mindset, emotional mastery and really goal setting and health, wealth, and happiness. So unlocking people's potential and holding them accountable to take radical action. So I have my private coaching practice. Um, mm -hmm. It's divinemasculine.live. If anyone wants to reach out to me, I would be happy to have an interview. And then Mystic Misfit is a brand I'm a part of. I'm one of the three founders. Um, and we're, we, we've been known for retreats. We don't have any retreats coming up that are planned or on a bit of a hiatus from events, but we are starting a men's circle. So we're going to do an online men's coaching program that will start mid-July. We're taking 33 men through the four masculine archetypes and four weeks of group coaching. So that's mysticmisfit.com. If any men out there or any of the women, looks like there's a lot of women on here, if they know of men in their life that could benefit from some of these perspectives and, and having brotherhood around them, which is a key for the masculine I've found, especially in the event space, but also in a group coaching environment. Um, when it's just men and there's just that brotherhood, they really get this sense of being able to open up a lot more than even, even if one woman is present. Yeah, interesting. Welcome to Andrea, Andrea Starbird, great name. Welcome everybody who's mm. been joining the last few minutes. Um, I guess I want to ask you about um, one thing I've seen that you touched on and talked about a little bit is Tantra. And um, I think that one thing that another thing I find is really important that I've been 
that's been coming up in these episodes is just the integration of spirituality and sexuality. You know, it's like we, we, for some reason, created this separation in traditional religion, organized religion, uh, between these two things. And I think it's really hurt us. You know, it's created all this shame and blame and um, not blame, but I mean, um, shame and guilt is what I want to say. Shame and guilt and um, just self-loathing. And um, it feels like it's really important. And I think a lot of people are feeling this impulse and exploring, experimenting different ways to bring these two things together that are both powerful and really bring a sense of oneness and harmony between these two energies. So I'd just love to hear a little bit about what you've been discovering or exploring or what you've um, found in other people that are exploring this, this integration of these two energies. Totally. This, this one is very near and dear to my journey and path. Um, growing up, not only in Texas, but in a Catholic faith, that was oh yeah me too yeah there you go and you're in, yeah. you're in the epic yeah. you're in the epicenter there in italy um yeah you know it's the the repression and self-induced suppression of sexuality is you know widespread especially in the christian faith all types and this idea that you know god or the universe and its good you know design and evolution would create sexuality, the thing that propagates the species, and also is where a lot of pleasure and like um, sensuality and sensation in these beautiful temples, these bodies, to think that any part of this is wrong, evil, or should not be experienced, or should only be experienced in this one certain way, um, is absurd. And I think it's it's a, a big it's a big line we're pushing. It's one of the front lines I think in culture right now. Um, about, you know, like you said, separating spirituality and sexuality and why is there a wall? Well, as I got more into yoga and meditation, um, I quickly became aware of Tantra, which is a, a specific path of yoga. And it really is just about bringing awareness and consciousness to sex and having a lot of intention and that watchfulness, the same watchfulness you would have in meditation, when we're observing our thoughts, we're observing our emotions, witnessing our states, our inner states, so much more so with a partner who you've made, you know, an agreement to do this together. And we're just watching how the, the energy just heightens and intensifies and gains meaning and deepens intimacy, deepens love. And, uh, for me, Tantra doesn't even have to be about sexuality. Tantra is really a, I believe it's a, a scientific way to experience reality because it's a, it's a full commitment to experience as your teacher. And so Tantra just merely means technique or a thread in Sanskrit. And it's like a, a thread weaving together your experience with your sensations and thoughts. Um, in the West, you know, maybe because we have been so sexually repressed, Tantra has come to mean like, oh, tantric sex and like, this is a certain way to make love and like all these techniques everywhere. And that's one part of it. Um, however, it's really just bringing awareness and consciousness to something that is very intimate and very, you know, part of being human. Yeah, the way I think of Tantra in the broadest sense 
is there's religions created this separation of like, you know, the world is sinful, the world is bad. You try to like, you know, try to some way escape or transcend the world and you'll go to heaven, you know, after, after you die and so forth and so on. Right. So it sounds like both you and I grew up with that whole thing. And I think what Tantra is saying is like, the world is divine also, basically. Like, you know, the senses right. are divine. You see that you feel that you touch that you smell, it's all divine. So don't try to escape the world by going fully into the world. You, you transcend the world. So, but there's no need to try to transcend the world. It's like the world, um, Jesus said, be in the world, but not of it. So, so and there's another,